time once again for the Everybody Trades Podcast. And I'm your host, John Miller. And the insider is Michael Kendricks of the Cleveland Browns. Yes, in case you missed it, former Cleveland Brown, I should say. Michael Kendricks was released by the team after being accused and him subsequently admitting to the crime of insider trading. Now, of course, I'm a very I'm very familiar with trading in general, so I have a lot of questions about this. I have some very strong opinions about insider trading. First of all, before we even get there, it seems to me let's let's start with the premise of what insider trading rules and laws are supposed to be all about. Obviously, in the trading world, in the investing world, we accept that some of our decisions that we make are going to be wrong, but what we like to try to do is get the proper amount of information, the same amount of information would be a better way of putting it, out there for the, quote, public people who are trading stocks and buying stocks that don't have the, quote, inside information that people inside the company do. So obviously what we're trying to do is equalize the level of information. My first question is, how realistic is it for all of us to have equal information? In reality, even when all of the Securities and Exchange Commission's rules for insider trading are followed, we're still going to have unequal information because people are unequal. Their circumstances are unequal. Their occupations are unequal. How they choose to spend their days is unequal. So therefore, we're going to have unequal information. So then, of course, the counter to that argument is, well, it's not. of course we're not going to all have the same knowledge. We're not going to all have the same information. It's about access to information. And it's not fair that an inside person at a company has access to knowledge that the Joe Blow trader, like yourself and me, don't have access to. That's the argument. My question is, does that hold up to any logical scrutiny in the following way? Where is the victim of insider trading? Where are the victims or victim of insider trading? See, when we have a crime, doesn't there need to be a victim of some sort, another human being who is harmed in this equation? Now, if you think I'm going down the drug possession road here, no, I'm not. But you certainly could draw some analogies here because you're going to have to make a really, really thin and difficult to sustain case that there's a victim in an insider trading case. Because I will concede to you, for the sake of argument, without having, certainly I'm not in the case, I don't have all the details of this particular case between former Cleveland Brown and Philadelphia Eagles linebacker Michael Kendricks and his case with the Securities and Exchange Commission. But what I can say is, even if I acknowledge or, for the sake of argument, give you that, yes, Mr. Kendricks did have access to information via a source that most of us did not, that certainly I did not. Now, if I grant you this information, again, we're still going to have to search for a victim. Because just because I'm taller than you and I get the rebound, that doesn't mean it's not fair. Does that make sense? See, the same thing applies to information. Now, again, the search for the victim. First of all, let's take the literal trade that Mr. Kendricks made 
himself. When he bought the trade on advice from somebody who had legally, quote-unquote, inside information, there's another person on the other end of that trade who sold him those shares. That much we can all agree with. Now, my question is, this person, having not knowing the information that Mr. Kendricks has, how are they aggrieved? How are they harmed? Because if Mr. Kendricks simply did not have this information or did not act on this information, then that person who sold, at the very least, would have had a possibly lower price that he would have sold at. Obviously, when you sell a car, you sell a, you sell a house, you want to sell it for as high a price as you possibly can. The stock market is no different. When you've bought a stock, you want to sell it higher. Pretty basic, right? So again, if Mr. Kendricks would not have been in this market, that means there are no, there are extra buyers. There would be one less buyer, I should say. More buyers in a vacuum means more demand. That pushes up the price of something. So again, that actually helps the person who sold Mr. Kendricks his shares. Therefore, that person is not a victim. Then, several weeks down the road, or months, years, however long it was, when Mr. Kendricks eventually sells his position for a profit, sells the stock that he previously had bought, somebody else is buying those shares for a reason. We can't necessarily know what those reasons are. If they are covering a short position, it's to get out of a position that would possibly be going bad for them. If it's to speculate, obviously the stock ended up where it was going to end up with with or without Mr. Kendricks over the course of weeks. That's just, that's undeniable. There may have been a slight short-term change in his buying that may have affected the tiniest of tiniest of percentage of one person. Other than that, The market takes the stock to where it goes. And that information that Mr. Kendricks ultimately had before the public had, all that did was just send the stock to where it eventually was going to go. Over that course of weeks, more and more buyers came in and sent the stock to where it was eventually going to go, whether Michael Kendricks entered the market or not. So again, It's totally unclear who the victim is in insider trading. We're all going to have imperfect knowledge. If you happen to be a supplier of a chip that goes inside of of televisions or computers of a publicly traded company, that's going to give you an edge up on people who don't have that information. And you're not obligated to share your thoughts or your beliefs with anybody else. And finally, to put an even more clear point on this, I think the most obvious part of the insider trading philosophy that makes it flawed, or laws that make them flawed, is this. What if Mr. Kendricks had had insider information that made him not purchase the stock? In other words... The inside information only seems to matter legally when it's information that causes you to take action. So in other words, if, if Mr. Kendricks was planning on buying this said stock that he's accused of illegally trading in, what if that's, what if a different type of information had told him not to do that? 
You see, there's no way to prove a negative in a legal sense that I can tell, at least in this particular case. It's impossible to prove that, oh, I wasn't going to do something. That doesn't make any sense. But, but it's the exact same scenario. It's you're taking action or inaction. You're making a decision, a real-life dollars and cents, put your money where your mouth is decision based on either taking action based on information or not taking action based on information. And moreover, if Mr. Kendricks had taken that action and the insider information had ended up being insider disinformation, it was actually incorrect and it caused him to lose money on the position, he closed it out at a loss, the government would not have come in and said, oh, poor you, you got bad information. You had worse information than everybody else, therefore unequal information. See, this is all absurd. We're never going to have equal information. That doesn't mean that that I'm endorsing lying by public companies. Don't anyone mistake that. That's another thing that we can deal with. I'm talking about individuals who are buying shares of a stock well less than well 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 less than 0.001% of the stock's float, the amount of shares that are traded, which has almost zero effect on its price in the short term and almost literally zero in the long term. So again, if somebody can find me a victim in this scenario, And it can't just be, well, it's not fair. It's not fair that this person had this and I didn't have that. There's lots of that in life. There's lots of people who have a girlfriend that you might want, that have a bigger house that you might want, a car that you might want. But in the real world, we can't equalize all of that, particularly the things that are inside of our brains. We all own that just like we own ourselves. We own our thoughts We own our information, and we own our our opinions that lead to us taking human action. And therefore, insider trading, in my mind, is a joke. All it is is an arbitrary power of the state to mess with people that they don't like. Look at Martha Stewart. People think she got thrown in jail based on insider trading. Au contraire. She was thrown in jail for lying to investigators, quote-unquote. What did she lie about? I'm not exactly sure. All I know is there was no underlying crime in the matter. So therefore, Martha Stewart was railroaded, in my opinion. Now, continuing the football theme from today's show, as I want to do, we've, of course, had yet another Colin Kaepernick-related hubbub. Yes, I promised that I was done with my Kaepernick anthem takes, and I am. But now we've got a stock-related Kaepernick take because what do we have here? Well, we have a lot of people. So with some, we have a lot of very predictable reactions to Nike's latest television spot. And if you haven't seen it, I guess you've been living under a Air Max Four or whatever. I I tried to come up with something funny there. And I failed epically. But that's okay. It's a volume business. But anyway, back to my point. Nike. See, the thing is, we have predictable reactions here. A lot of people were very upset at Nike. And hilariously, yes, we're still burning articles of clothing when things don't go our way. Even after the LeBron thing, we're still burning stuff that we paid 
$80 for, $200 for. Seems like a waste if you ask me to make a statement that nobody cares about. But once again, I digress. My point is, regardless of where you come down on Colin Kaepernick and this television spot, if you're going to be an investor, if you're going to be a trader like I am, I don't care what your hot takes are. I just want to know, do you think this is going to affect Nike's earnings or not? In fact, and when I say affect, it has to affect it, right? It can't be a zero. That's one thing about life that I understand quite clearly. There is no such thing as stasis, really. At least not when it comes to people and nature. See, we're either getting better or we're getting worse. That, that can be in the gym. That can be in life. I don't care what it is. You're playing golf, a sport, anything. We don't just stay the same. We never stay the same. It's impossible. Even a mountain that seemingly hasn't changed in hundreds of years is under, under a constant state of invisible erosion. That's just a fact. That's just nature. So, of course, companies that are built up of human beings and their production are no different. So what, what's going to happen here? Is this going to be another controversial take that helps Nike, or is it going to hurt Nike? Or are you going to be honest with yourself and possibly say, I don't know? It's perfectly reasonable in all of life, but particularly in investing and trading, to say, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm going to take a pass. Therefore, I'm not going to buy Nike. Fine and dandy. That is a perfectly reasonable take. However, that take should be based on cold, hard examinations of other people and what you think that they're going to do at large, all of society, as customers, as consumers. It shouldn't just be about your personal emotions and feelings and preferences, your subjective values. See, to a certain extent, you're going to have to check that at the door if you're going to be a good stock investor or trader. Certainly, I have had to learn to do that, much more so over the years than when I first started my career. Because, obviously, as I get older, I get stronger convictions and opinions like we all do. And, frankly, the last few years, I've become rather fervently anti-war in many ways. I'm not anti-self-defense. I'm not anti gun ownership. I am anti-war as far as these never-ending strings of, like, for example, there was a man who died in Afghanistan. An American soldier died in Afghanistan recently after what I believe was his 13th tour in Afghanistan. And the only point of me bringing that up is, is just to show how endless these conflicts have become. And now I've gotten a little far afield here. But the point I was trying to make is my defense stocks that I've bought since the 2013-2014 range have been some of the best investments I've made in my entire career, and I have no interest in selling them currently because I believe they're still going to go higher. And that's the Raytheon, Lockheed Martins, Northrop Grumman's of the world. I still think Raytheon, probably my favorite. You've heard Trump mouthing off about the space wars. If you think that's nuts... That's a real thing. As far as world governments are concerned, they're trying to take over space. There's no doubt about it. They're going to try to plant their flags and put weapons in space. That's not a crazy idea. And when you hear that sort of thing, you should be thinking money. You should be thinking Raytheon. 
you should be thanking those type of companies, Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin. Also still love Huntington Ingalls for its sea warfare and ship capabilities, that sort of production. But just because I hate war doesn't mean I get any choice in the matter of what I spend on it or not. Sure, you can say I get a vote. When I vote, I absolutely vote. But in reality, voting is just the veneer of a choice because no matter who is in office, we always seem to get somebody who wants to spend more money on warfare with very few exceptions. I don't like this, but I'm going to try to recoup the money that has been taken from me via taxation in the stock market. And I believe you should do that as well. If you don't like Facebook for their whatever political reasons, fine and dandy. I would encourage you, though, to set that aside and try to take a more objective look and figure out if everybody is thinking the way you are, or the majority of consumers, or perhaps you're in the minority. It doesn't mean you're wrong, but it does mean that you may not be in tune with the rest of society, and therefore, you're going to miss an opportunity to make money. It happens. Happens to the best of us. Happens to me every single day, frankly. Every day there are things in this market that I miss and that I regret not doing. That's part of it. That's life. But instead of panicking, instead of crying in our beer like we could be the last two days when maybe the market isn't doing quite as well as we want, I think we stay the course and take an objective look at what's happening and say, you know what, this market's okay. It's not great. But it's okay. And long story short, while I don't own any Nike at the moment, long term, I don't think this hurts their earnings at all. In fact, I think if anything, it might help them with the demographic that they're wanting to reach here. So I don't know. You tell me. What do you guys think about Nike? I'll just point out that there are many businesses that have a seemingly, at least at first glance, a unusual business model that wouldn't exactly fit into the economics 101 textbook or the stereotypical, not always stereotypical, but sometimes the reality of the cutthroat, cut all corners, cut all costs type of business practices that we often see. For example, again, we're getting a little political here. But a lot of people are upset with Chick-fil-A too. They don't, they don't agree with their politics. And the only reason I bring up Chick-fil-A, well, there's two reasons. That first one that I just alluded to there. You see, they've taken some, some stances that have upset some potential customers and some of their previous customers. And yet, they're still a successful business, a highly successful business. And moreover, they don't open on Sundays for religious reasons. Similarly, B&H Photo in New York City doesn't open on saturday for the sabbath during the day similar type deal you would think wait a minute they're not even gonna ship me a computer on a saturday afternoon even when i'm out in missouri come on what's the deal so for nine hours they're just gonna be off business on saturday at first glance that doesn't make any sense you're like how could a business possibly survive not opening on a sunday or on a saturday afternoon especially a national-type chain or a business that's going to ship nationally. How could this even work? Well, apparently it does work. I had a great experience with B&H Photo getting my latest computer. They got me a good price. 
They shipped it to me in a timely fashion. The fact that it was offline for eight hours on a Saturday didn't really have much of an effect on me. But I did note it, and I did note that it was interesting. And I also note that they're a highly, highly successful company, and so is Chick-fil-A. And I bring this up only to point out that you don't have to necessarily appeal to the, quote, masses if you're going to be a large company. You need to appeal to a large group of people, but not all the people. And so, therefore, be careful to just immediately write off Nike as a long and certainly don't short a company like Nike. You're going to get broke shorting a company like Nike that has been successful for decades. Don't do it. I don't endorse it. If you do it, stop listening now. And having said that, it's been fun. Let's close it out with our girl, Stevie Nicks, and our late friend, Tom Petty. Thanks for listening, everybody.